So Daniel chapter 6, which is an incredibly long reading. So thanks to Annette for getting through all of that word perfect. It's a very long passage of scripture. And if you've come across it before, you probably think about it as the lion's story. Without giving away too much about my age, it's probably fair to say 30 years ago, I also thought of it as the lion's story because the Sunday school that I went to sporadically really liked coloring in. And it's one of the best stories to color in. And of course, what you color in are the lions. But as I've come back to this very, very long passage in the last few weeks, what I've actually noticed here is something slightly different. I've noticed that in this passage, we have two laws, two men, and two choices. Two laws, two men, and two choices. And the thing about choice, of course, is it is the reality of our daily lives, isn't it? This morning, you decided what to have for breakfast. Or if you were in a real rush for church, you didn't have breakfast. You made a choice not to have breakfast. We make small choices every day. We also make bigger choices like where to live or whether to get married or not, who to marry. All kinds of choices are part of daily life. And very often, they are either or choices. If I make this choice, then I can't also make that choice. And that's why sometimes, so often, many of us become a bit paralyzed because we don't really want to make a choice because we don't want to close off the other options. We have, I think, an either-or choice in our story today. Daniel can choose to go God's way, or he can choose to go the way of self-preservation. And maybe today you're faced with that kind of choice might be in the coming week, might be in the coming month, might even be in the coming year. A choice where you can choose to please yourself or to preserve your own reputation, your own power, your own preferences, or you can choose to go God's way. And these kind of choices can turn up in our home life, in our family life, in our work life. These kind of choices can turn up at school. They can turn up in relation to our sex life, our finances, our relationships. They can turn up anywhere. But they are situations where we're faced with an either or choice, God's way or my way. Just for a moment, notice what kind of choices like that you're faced with in the coming time because I'm going to come back to this towards the end of the sermon. What are your either-or choices right now, God's way or your way? Because as I said in the text, what we have is two men making two choices in relation to two laws. Let's start with King Darius. The law he makes in verses 6 to 9 of our text, you'll have heard, bans worship of anybody except himself. He says to the people, in effect, you can worship anyone you like as long as it's me for 30 days. We see that clearly in verses 6 to 9. Now, we don't know much about King Darius historically. In fact, there are some kind of problematic issues around who he is and uh, when exactly he appears in Persian history. But in a sense, all of that for our purposes is irrelevant. There are a whole load of theories about who he is and where he fits in the text and how he fits historically. But it seems to me the important part here is 
Not so much the man himself right now, but the way that the law that he comes up with actually works. Because you'll hear that it's underpinned by the law of the Medes and Persians. That's verse 8 tells us that, first of all. And so when verse 8 talks about the law of the Medes and Persians, what it's saying is this is a law that cannot be changed. It is an eternal law. It's an unchanging law. It cannot be undone or revoked. That's the first man and the first law. The second man is the hero of our story, Daniel. Daniel is an immigrant to Babylon where this story has been set. He has risen to a very, very senior place in the civil service there. He's about to be made the very top man. He's probably in his 80s at this point. Now, often when we see Daniel on the lion's den, we think of him as being a relatively young man. But if you do the maths about how many different uh, kings he has lived under in this time in Babylon, depending on the kind of age he was when he arrived, he's probably in his 80s at this point. He's a Jewish man. He's from Judah. Verse 13 tells us that. And he worships Yahweh. He worships the God of Israel. Now, as I say, he is very senior in this now Persian civil service but he is still subject to the king. He still sits underneath King Darius. And as a result, he still sits underneath the law of this land, which now includes the law not to worship anyone but the king. Daniel has a problem though, because he isn't just subject to that law. He is subject to the second law that I referred to, which the text refers to as the law of his God. That's verse five. And Daniel's problem is that the law of his God is also eternal, unchanging, and unable to be undone. Daniel is between the proverbial rock and a hard place. He has an either or choice. You see, God's law says, worship me. And Darius's law says, worship me. Daniel has a very simple either or choice. He can obey God or he can obey the king, who, by the way, is also his boss. And without missing a beat, that's what I want you to notice in verse 10, which I think for me on this particular reading of the passage is the pivotal verse. Without missing a beat, verse 10 indicates when he hears about Darius's law, what does he do? He straight away turns his back on it and goes to obey God's law. He gives himself to prayer and worship. The text says just as he has always done. Daniel makes his choice. We've seen the two men, we've seen the two laws, and now we've seen the first choice. Daniel makes his choice about which law he's going to obey. But I said there was a second choice. And the second choice is the choice that Darius makes. You see, it is clear from the text that Darius, when he figures out the implications of his law for Daniel, admittedly a little bit too late, but he figures out the implications of his law for Daniel. He is greatly distressed and he does everything he can until sundown to figure a way out of the mess that he's got himself into. But he finds nothing. 
Because here is the irony of the law of the Medes and Persians. Even the king himself who makes that law cannot change it and cannot undo it. The king's law is set in stone such that even the king cannot undo it. Now, you could say to me, I'd expect you to say to me, well, Chloe, where is the choice in that for Darius? He has no choice. He can't change this law he's made. He can't revoke it. He has no choice. Yeah, he can't change it. He can't revoke it. But he could have disobeyed it. He could have chosen not to undo the law because he couldn't do that but to choose not to command that Daniel is sent to the lion's den. But Darius doesn't choose that, of course. Darius follows through and decides to comply with his own law and sends Daniel, whom he respects greatly, whom he knows is effectively being treated unjustly, he sends him to an almost certain death. Darius makes this choice, I think, because to disobey his own law would have been deeply destabilizing in relation to his power base. His whole power base has been built on the principle that when the king says something, the king means it. When you start to unpick the whole idea of the law of Medes and Persians having any practical significance, okay, it, remain, it retains its theoretical significance, but in practice it gets unpicked. What you're actually doing as the king is beginning to unpick the foundations of your own power. And so Darius, I think, knows that and realizes that there is a risk that this is the beginning of a revolutionary act against himself if he disobeys. It is easier to choose to allow Darius to pay the price. Sorry, to allow Daniel to pay the price. There are two laws, two men, two choices. But here is what I think is the really interesting part for us. I want to know why does each man say yes to what he says yes to? Why does each man make the choice he makes? And here's what I think the text tells us. Quite simply, most often the choice we make today will be the same as the choices we've always made. It's not that it will automatically be the same choice that we make today as the choices we've always made, but it will tend to be the case. We tend to make the choices we've always made. If I make a choice for God today and I continue to make choices for God every day this month, Come the 2nd of October, the chances are, because of my habit of choosing God, I will choose God again. That's the way habit works. The power of habit is not negligible. And I think that's why Darius and Daniel make the choices they've made. Darius makes the choice he's always made to get to this level of power, to hold on to the kingship in this kingdom. He knows where his power base is. He knows who his supporters are. He knows what he's got to do to protect his position. And so yesterday and every yesterday before that, Dan Darius has made choices to strengthen his own power base, to maintain his own position. So as a result, it is unlikely, not impossible, but it is unlikely that he will make a different choice today. 
Daniel, on the other hand, has a history of choosing God's law. Daniel, as I say, is probably in his 80s. He has, as we'll see when we preach through the rest of the book, consistently made choices to obey God, even when the stakes have been terrifyingly high. Ever since this young man was ripped from his homeland and brought to this place as an exile, he has put God first. For some 60 years, we've seen him do this through the course of the book up to this point. It's not terribly surprising that he makes the same choice again. He has freedom to make a different choice, but it's not terribly surprising that he makes the choice he always makes. And so Daniel, when he hears that Darius has signed this prohibition, verse 10, immediately goes to his chamber to pray. Now, his chamber would have been on full view. It would have been probably on the top of the property, and other people would have seen him praying. The text, I think, underlines for us how we know why Daniel made this choice. The text says he goes to pray just as he had always done before. He goes to pray irrespective of the threat of lions because he's always prayed at that time. He prays three times a day. He always has. His choices yesterday have set him up to make the same choice today, even though today there is the threat of lions. I read that, and I really, really want that for me. When I'm faced with an either-or choice between God's way and the way of my workplace or of the expectations of culture around me or of peer pressure or of pure selfishness, (laughs) I want to choose God's way. And I don't want to leave that to chance because the stakes are too high. I want to live in such a way today that I am going to be more likely tomorrow to choose Jesus. Now in the West, of course, we, most of us, not all, but most of us do not face the threat of death for our faith. But there are many in the church in other nations who do. And we should not expect to live the whole of our lives without necessarily facing the threat of death for our faith. It is not guaranteed. In fact, what is guaranteed is what Jesus says in the Gospels. The way of Christ is the way of the cross. It's the way of death. Repeatedly in Mark, he tells his disciples, you must be willing to die. If I'm ever faced with that choice, I, I want to do everything I can today to prepare me to say yes, even though there be lions. And I think from reading the choices that Darius and Daniel make, there is something for us to learn in this respect today. What we chose yesterday, what they chose yesterday, is formative for today's choice. The power of habit is not negligible. I have my own experiences of this. 
Um, when I was 19, I'd been a Christian for a year, I was at university, and I'd heard a speaker for the first time ever speak about the Christian principle of giving. And this speaker challenged us to give 10% of our income. And at the age of 19, as a student, I didn't have very much income. But I felt very convicted by God to say yes to God in that moment and to begin giving 10% of my little income. Um, it was so little and it was on a weekly basis that it was every week I'd put this, this cash or this check into the church offering. And I know it was that early yes and that habit of yes in those years that prepared me then when I was 22 and on a city lawyer salary to choose to give away more than 10% of a much bigger number. It was still terrifying, but my ability to say that bigger yes, I believe, was set up by my choice to say the smaller yes in the times gone by. But lest you should think I'm super spiritual, I need to also give you an example of the other way around. When I was also probably 19 at university, I decided to try fasting for the first time, going without, in this case, just going out without one meal. And so I said to God, okay, I will not eat this evening meal out of obedience to you, desiring to please you. And then I went to my friend's kitchen while she was cooking dinner. And I can tell you to this day, it was pasta. And it tasted really good. In that day, I made a choice for the flesh, for my self-satisfaction rather than for God. Because I committed, it wasn't that it was a law in itself, but I had committed to God. I had made a vow to God, in effect, I will not eat this meal. I ate it. And in saying that yes to the flesh and that no to God, I have to tell you, I did set up a pattern where even to recent years, even to today, it is harder for me to say yes to God in fasting than I think it should be because a habit of the no being easier has been set up. It's not that I don't have free will to make the right choice in the moment, it's just that history tends to repeat itself. It takes more energy, more effort to choose to make the yes that I know I need to make. And that could sound like really bad news because it could sound, you know, like, if you look back in your life, if I look back in my life, and we don't love the choices we've made, we could look back and be like, well, there we are, I'm done. No hope of living this Christian life, no hope of continuing to say yes to God. But here's the thing. The Bible is clear. It says in Lamentations, God's mercies are new every morning. Yes, our history of wrong choices will make it harder to turn around, but the whole thing about the gospel is we have this capacity to repent, which basically means to make a 180-degree turn. And so it seems to me the best way to look at this now is to let what has been, what has gone by, let it be a bygone. But to choose today to make those choices for God that will set me up to make those more difficult choices for God in time to come. So as I bring our time to a close, here is the truth I want us to take from this passage today. There's many things we could have taken, but here is the main thing I want us to take. Many tomorrows from now, the lions may come. 
In fact, if you read the Gospels, you can expect the lions to come. What is it that will enable me, that will enable you, to choose Jesus then, on that day when the stakes are even higher than we could ever imagine right now? And Daniel positively and Darius negatively show us that a daily habit of yes to God in the nitty-gritty choices is what prepares us for that yes tomorrow when the lions come. And that might be literally tomorrow, it might be next year, it might be 20 years from now. We don't know when the lions will come, but what we can choose to do is to prepare for that day so that we'll say yes to Jesus even then. So if you would, bring back to mind now those choices that you noticed at the beginning when I began speaking, things that are in front of you today, this week, this month, this year. Choices, either or choices, when it's your way or God's way. My way, God's way. That might be about how we relate to others. It might be about giving our time sacrificially as a way of honoring God to serve others instead of serving ourselves. It might be choices about how we spend our time more generally. It might be choices about what we do with our bodies and what we don't do with our bodies. It might be choices about our finances, like that choice I shared that I made and that I now continue to make as a pattern of Christian discipleship. It might be a choice about reading the Bible daily or listening to it. There's lots of apps and podcasts for listening to Scripture daily. It might be about choosing a pattern of prayer daily. It could be anything. It could be something in your workplace where you know your boss puts you under pressure to make a choice that, quite frankly, is questionable. But you're not sure what will happen if you say no, and so you may be tempted to go that way that's questionable when you know God is calling you to stand out as different. It might be a choice to commit this year to worshipping with God's people every week instead of just once a month or on occasion. To go God's way instead of our way. And here's the thing. What if a yes to God in that choice that you're thinking about, that you're faced with right now, what if a yes to God in that matter was not just about a small, in-the-moment obedience, but what about if actually you also could see it as a kind of training of your faith? What if actually this is about exercising a muscle of obedience so that we're quick, we, we not only say yes to God in this thing right in front of us, but that we prepare ourselves to say yes to God in the days that will come when the stakes are higher, the choices are bigger, and perhaps even there are lions. Doesn't matter what your history is. That's the beauty of the gospel. You and I get to start this again today. But what if we choose to begin a habit of yes to God, to prepare ourselves that our yes to God might be consistent throughout all of our days? Because, friends, that is the measure in the end of our Christianity. To be a Christian 
is not just about intellectual belief. It's not just about turning up to church. It is about a life that is fully surrendered to Jesus. So why don't we take a moment of silence just to bring our choices before the Lord even now. And then I will pray for us. Father, we thank you that by your spirit we participate in Christ, who is the very yes of God. And thank you that your word tells us that our part is to say amen or yes, I agree. Please help us in our choices this week, this month, this year, to say with our actions, yes, I agree with Jesus. Yes, I choose his way. Even in the same way as Daniel chose to obey the law of his God, even when faced with lions. Lord, we remember also those brothers and sisters, some of whom we know and some of whom are in nations where we don't even, we can't even imagine their lives. And we pray for them, that you would strengthen them in the face of lions to continue in saying the yes of obedience to Christ. That one day your church, all of the believers, might be presented before you without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, to the glory of Christ. Amen.